Chapter Sixteen of The Shadow of Victory. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Crystal Armida. The Shadow of Victory by Myrtle Reed. Chapter Sixteen. The Worm Turns. Beatrice said, "Mrs. Mackenzie, what day of the month is it?" The eighth. Why, no, it isn't put in Mackenzie. It's the ninth. Isn't it, Rob? Certainly, the ninth of August. Have it your own way, pouted Beatrice. What do you suppose I care? There's George across the river, observed Mrs. Mackenzie. I wonder why he doesn't come over. He's busy, I guess, said Robert, but I think he will be over this afternoon. How do you know? inquired Beatrice, looking at him narrowly. You haven't seen him today, have you? No, stammered Robert uncomfortably I, I just thought so for the first time he saw how ridiculous from one point of view their arrangement was and became more anxious than ever to keep beatrice in ignorance of it still it had worked well for neither had made any evident progress and their friendship was still unbroken during the past week the girl had not failed to observe that she never saw ronald and forsyth together except from her window and had asked each of them in turn if there had been a quarrel she had also noticed that her admirers were spasmodic as it were in their attentions and had puzzled vainly over the fact it seemed strange that at the fort ronald should leave her when forsyth put in an appearance or that when she sat on the piazza at the trading station forsyth should immediately find something else to do when ronald came across the river the ensign had taken queen out for the appointed exercise and was wondering how to kill the time until noon he was staring vacantly into space at the very moment robert had said he was busy but he soon decided to watch major in the river in spite of the heat the dog regarded the ceremony as a punishment rather than a luxury and cowered as if from a blow when his master removed his coat and rolled up his sleeves the basin of soft soap which dr norton brought in answer to a loud request from ronald was placed conveniently on the bank and operations began beatrice was leaning on the gate in the shade of the poplar and chose to consider the affair as undertaken solely for her amusement isn't it nice of mr ronald she said with mock gratitude to wash major where we can all see him do it if he were selfish he'd take him away protesting barks from the victim punctuated her comment if he were selfish replied robert pleasantly he wouldn't do it at all i have a mind to go over there said the girl suddenly oh don't begged robert with feeling why not oh because a woman's reason said beatrice scornfully i'm going anyhow robert was allowed to row her across as a great favor and ronald mindful of his agreement was not particularly cordial i don't believe he likes it because i've come she said to dr norton oh yes he does the doctor assured her gallantly do you she inquired directly of ronald certainly the ensign's face was red partly because of his exertions and partly because of various concealed emotions major had been thoroughly lathered with soft soap and was being rinsed with basin after basin of water whining meanwhile because soap was in his eyes there said ronald when the black and white coat was thoroughly clean he'll be a beauty when he's dry won't you major the dog shook himself vigorously and sprinkled everyone except beatrice who was out of range indeed he will she answered with suspicious warmth it's strange isn't it how washing improves pets 
Forsyth began to dread what was coming, but Ronald heedlessly stumbled into the snare. Of course it improves them, he said. It's worth doing, if only for artistic reasons. Her eyes danced, and the dimples came and went at the corners of her mouth. I would like, she began demurely, to have Queen washed. Lord! muttered the ensign, mopping his forehead with his sleeve. Will you do it for me, Mr. Ronald? She continued coaxingly. For an instant he hesitated. Then the worm turned. No, he said quietly. I won't. You can wash your own horse. Will you, Cousin Rob? she asked sweetly, turning to Forsyth. The dull color bronzed his face, and he saw a steely glitter in Ronald's blue eyes. No, he answered, emboldened by the other's example. Not by any means. I haven't any friends, remarked Beatrice sadly to the doctor. Friends are one thing, retorted Ronald hotly, and body servants are another. I'm willing to lead your horse around, because it's too hot for you to ride her, and I wouldn't want to be seen riding a nag like that anyhow. But I won't bathe her, nor comb her hair, nor put on her shoes. He turned on his heel and walked away, the personification of offended dignity. Beatrice laughed, while Forsyth and the doctor looked at her in amazement. Oh, she gasped. Isn't he, isn't he funny when he's mad? Ronald strode into the fort and gave no sign of having heard, save by a tell-tale redness of the ears. Robert felt concerned in a way, but the doctor was not. You'll find, Miss Manning, he said judicially, as you grow older, that there's a limit to everything and everybody. Of course, returned the girl seriously. I was just locating it. Shall we go back now? asked Robert. No, I'm going to see Catherine. Very well. He started toward the fort with her, and Norton followed them. What? she asked. Are you both coming too? I'm not, said the doctor quietly. Are you cousin Rob? Of course. I'm going wherever you go. Ronald was talking with Mrs. Franklin, and did not seem to see the two who went to the lieutenant's. Robert brought chairs for Mrs. Howard and Beatrice, and seated himself on the upper step. Where's George? asked Catherine. Isn't he coming over? She had grown accustomed to seeing the three together, and vaguely missed Ronald. He was bad, explained the girl, fanning herself with her handkerchief. And I think he's ashamed to come. Bad? How? He wouldn't wash Queen. I asked him to, and he said he wouldn't. Cousin Rob wouldn't either. Well, I don't blame them. You seem to expect a good deal, B. Oh, laughed Beatrice. How serious you all are. I believe Mr. Ronald and Cousin Rob thought I meant it. You seem to, put in Robert in self-justification. Men are very stupid, she observed dispassionately. But suppose I did mean it. What then? Were you in earnest when you said you wouldn't? Yes, said Robert steadfastly. Whether you were joking or not, I was in earnest, and so was Ronald. Hitherto men had not openly defied the girl's imperious will, and she had the sensation of unexpectedly encountering a brick wall. Would you mind going over after my sewing? she asked suddenly. Certainly not. Where is it? Aunt Eleanor knows. You're a sad flirt, Bee remarked Mrs. Howard as Forsyth went out of the fort. I am not, retorted Beatrice with spirit. Why shouldn't he go after my sewing? There's no reason why he shouldn't if he wants to. Well, he wants to, replied Beatrice. Otherwise he wouldn't. That's the man of it. It seems strange, observed the other meditatively, that in a little place like this on the very edge of the frontier, one girl can keep two men working hard all the time without half trying. On the face of it, there wouldn't seem to be enough to do. It requires talent, admitted Beatrice modestly, if not genius. Mr. Ronald, she called. The ensign did not seem to hear. Mr. Ronald, she called again. 
there was no answer though he must have heard he's in the sulks explained beatrice and if he wants to stay there he can i wish you wouldn't do so b said katherine kindly do what demanded beatrice with her violet eyes wide open you know what you're doing and you needn't pretend that you don't there was a long silence then beatrice sighed heavily i think i'll move she said i can go to detroit or fort mackinaw or back east katherine's heart sank within her for she knew she would miss the girl more than words could express you can't go she said no one would go with you i should hope not queen and i could make the trip alone if i decide to go why i'll go that's all there is about it war or no war i know where the pickets are and i could get through the lines without any trouble if you miss me some morning you'll know that i've made my escape to some peaceful spot where there is no lecturing she spoke with such calm assurance that katherine was troubled she swiftly determined to ask captain franklin to put an extra guard at the stables then beatrice laughed poor kit she said affectionately why you look as solemn as a priest you don't think i'd go away and leave you do you you're too sweet she cooed rubbing her soft cheek against her cousin's forsyth coming back with the sewing was transfixed with sudden envy of mrs howard i thought you were never coming said the girl smiling did it seem long he asked dazed by the implied compliment for he had been in great haste yes said beatrice but it wasn't your fault it was because i was being lectured katherine's face grew delicately pink and she looked at beatrice imploringly lectured repeated forsyth why what for she said i flirted with you and mr ronald when oh you goose laughed beatrice she meant i did it all the time but you don't care do you i don't know just what it is said robert truthfully but if it's anything you do i like it there said the girl in a tone of great satisfaction you see don't you kit yes answered mrs howard i see that you are incorrigible forsyth was content to listen and to watch beatrice as she sewed prosaic needles and thread assumed a mysterious charm in the dimpled hands of the girl he loved pretty frowns and troubled shadows flitted across her face as the thread knotted twisted or broke as it frequently did because she was not familiar with her task ronald left captain franklin's and came across the parade ground with a rapid stride twelve o'clock he said with a radiant smile you wouldn't think it would you he added i shouldn't have suspected it answered forsyth with double meaning i must be going back i'll go with you cousin rob me too put in ronald joyously you needn't said the girl coolly i just assume i'm going to row you across no you're not i came with cousin rob and i'm going back with him suit yourself returned the ensign good-humouredly the river is a public highway but i'm going over to dinner he was there first and had wheedled an invitation from mrs mackenzie before they got into the house put me next to beatrice please he said as they came in during dinner every one was in high spirits except robert who knew that he must have faced himself all the afternoon somewhere it was harder to have ronald there than to know that he was with her at the fort however he felt a wicked thrill of satisfaction when beatrice pushed back her chair and began to gather up the dishes you needn't do that b remonstrated mrs mackenzie i'm going to help you auntie and then i'm going to take a nap i'm dreadfully sleepy ronald's face fell you're lazy he said reproachfully no i'm not she returned but i have to get rested because tomorrow i'm going to wash queen beatrice manning exclaimed mrs mackenzie what in the world do you mean i'll tell you all about it aunt eleanor in her own mind beatrice had determined to make a pretense at queen's bath the next morning in front of the fort and see who would offer to help her 
I'm going to help with the dishes, too, announced Ronald. You needn't, George, said Mrs. Mackenzie. I'd rather he wouldn't, remarked Beatrice critically, because I don't think he's clean. He washed Major this morning. The shaft glanced aside harmlessly, because he prided himself upon his neatness. I got my hand in this morning, he said imperturbably, and I've washed many a dish in this very kitchen, long before you came, Miss B. Didn't I, Aunt Eleanor? Indeed you did, answered Mrs. Mackenzie warmly. I don't know how I could have managed without you. Very well, said the girl lightly. As long as you're used to it, and since you insist upon doing it, I'll go and take my nap right now. Robert, inwardly joyous, but outwardly calm, took his well-thumbed copy of Shakespeare and went out to read under the trees, while Mrs. Mackenzie and the ensign labored with the dishes, and Beatrice slept the sleep of the just. It was late in the afternoon when she came out, her eyes still languorous under their drooping lids, and found Ronald sitting upon the piazza. "'Why, I didn't expect to see you here,' she said in a tone of pleased surprise. "'You aren't very well acquainted with me.' murmured ronald twisting uneasily in his chair i'd like to be remarked beatrice with a winning smile now's your chance then for i'm going to stay here until six o'clock that's a long time sighed the girl with a sidelong glance at him it isn't much after four now he cleared his throat and colored deeply while he was casting about for a suitable reply forsyth appeared with his book come and read to us cousin rob said beatrice sweetly ronald looked daggers at him when he hesitated can't he answered shortly. I'm going to read to myself. He went back to his place under the poplars, in sight, but not intentionally within hearing, and Ronald was unreasonably vexed with him, deeming him outside the spirit, though within the letter of the bond. I'm sorry he wouldn't read to us, observed Beatrice. Cousin Rob has such a deep, melodious voice, don't you think so? The ensign was writhing inwardly, but managed to say, yes, very deep. Mackenzie came out and wasted half of a precious hour in talking, though Ronald answered only in monosyllables. Beatrice exerted her rarest powers of entertainment for her uncle's benefit, and he did not notice how the time passed. Well, he said at length, I guess I'll go across for a bit. I want to see the captain. Forsyth joined him at the gate, and Ronald heaved a sigh of relief when they were safely on their way to the fort. Your face is red, Mr. Ronald, said Beatrice. She was rewarded by seeing the color deepen what makes it that way she asked with an air of one pursuing a subject of scientific interest it's the heat explained the ensign miserably didn't you know it was hot she shook her head i never know anything unless i'm told i believe you he growled mr ronald she said with a bewildering smile what makes you so cross to me i-i'm not he answered thickly yes you are you're dreadfully cross to me but you seem to get on all right with everybody else i don't believe you like me the last remnant of his self-control deserted him. No, I don't, he said hotly. Good God, Beatrice, I love you. Can't you see that? Why do you torture me all the time? Her face grew a shade paler, and her eyes refused to meet his. She knew she had been playing with fire, but nonetheless was surprised at the natural result, and was genuinely sorry that she had gone so far. She stared at the fort, unseeing, and inwardly reproached herself bitterly. Beatrice, he gasped say something to me can't you she pointed to a cloud of dust in the southwest look someone is coming i don't care he said roughly possessing himself of her hand you've got to say something to me i did she returned drawing away from him i told you somebody was coming i think it's my relatives from fort wayne coming to take me back there ronald turned away deeply pained and the pathetic droop in his shoulders got safely through the thorns to the girl's heart 
The cloud of dust came nearer and nearer, until at last the rider turned his foam-flecked horse and dashed up the esplanade to the fort. Beatrice's temporary tenderness was obscured by curiosity, for the rider was an Indian with a British flag girded at his loins. Why? she said in an odd little voice. What has happened? Ronald came swiftly toward her. I don't know and I don't care, he said in a voice she scarcely recognized. Then he put his arm around her and drew her to him. Beatrice, darling, he pleaded, haven't you a word for me? Don't you love me just the least little bit in the world? Then the violet eyes looked up into his, and the sweet lips quivered. I, I don't know, she whispered brokenly. Please let me go. His arms fell to his sides, and she was free. But there was a lump in his throat, and a wild hope in his heart. My darling, he began, but she stopped him with a warning gesture. Forsyth was pulling across the river as if his life depended upon it, and for the first time they perceived that something was wrong. With his face white and every muscle of his body tense, he ran toward them. What's up? shouted ronald orders cried forsyth gasping for breath fort mackinaw has fallen and we are ordered to evacuate the post end of chapter sixteen recorded by crystal armida texas